Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back to the show, listeners. Today, I'm bringing you my interview with Eve Hewson. And what a joy it has been to watch this young woman come into her own as an actress. And yes, she has very famous parents, Bono and Allie Hewson, but she's standing in her own spotlight these days. And that's thanks to performances in shows like The Nick and The Luminaries, and now everyone's latest obsession, Behind Her Eyes, in which Eve is mesmerizing. And don't worry, if you haven't seen the ending and you don't know what everybody is losing their minds over, we're not going to spoil it for you. Here is the glorious Eve Hewson. Eve Hewson, how are you? It's been a minute. It's been so long. I can't even remember the last time I saw you, but it's, I think, years. I feel like it was probably at uh, one of the Oscar parties. Oh, yeah. I do like to, I do like to spend some time at those Oscar parties. They're fun. Where am I finding you in the world right now? I'm in London. London. Okay. I was wondering if I'm going to get American Eve or if I'm going to get like Irish brogue Eve because you've been spending, I figure like quarantining. She probably went back home. I don't know. Where is she? I have such a hard time with this because it's when I talk to Americans, I speak a kind of American. And then when I go home, I go full Irish and it's just very confusing. I think everybody thinks I'm having some sort of identity crisis, but... You know, it is what it is. <laughs> I love the full Irish Eve. So whatever whatever you bring, I love it all. So whatever you bring today is, is totally fine with I me. I get a little bit more Irish the more I've drank. And I can tell you I'm sober right now. I'm sober on the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, the ultimate what the fuck behind her eyes. Like this is... <laughs> I I love that hashtag that was happening. Um, What the fuck that ending? And we're not going to spoil it entirely. But I just want to talk to you because the the, so much of this show is Adele's face. You play Adele and like the look on your face where we just know something's up (laughs) from the second we see you on screen. We're like, uh, uh oh but I don't know, but maybe, but where's this headed? But I'm not sure. So I just want you to talk to me about what were you thinking when you first got this this script and this opportunity to be in the show? Not much. I didn't think much, which is crazy thinking about how big it's become and sort of, I mean, just it's really blown up, but it's, It was a weird, strange way of getting into a job. I was, I was shooting another film and they asked me to tape and I didn't have any time. And so they went with someone else and then they came back and it didn't work out with uh, the other actresses date. So I had to make my audition tape like in the middle of the night, having come home from work, 
begged my my friend to help me had read one script so had no idea what the twist was didn't know the tone of the show didn't know the character at all looking back now it's completely wrong take on on Adele um but sent it in and like then got on Skype with Eric and he was like no you haven't read the script I was like oh no no, I have I've, I've read all six and he was like absolutely you have not, you know, you're lying to me. Um, so thankfully he gave me the job anyway. And then he told me the twist on the Skype meeting. So I was like, what are we making? This is, this sounds absolutely nuts, but sure, let's do it. And then I was on a plane two days later. So I read the rest of the scripts on the plane and kind of just went right into it, had two weeks of rehearsals and so there wasn't a strange, like I really didn't feel like I had any kind of expectation or even really a process for, for the character because it was just like a shotgun wedding thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I just went into it and like hoped for the best. Uh, well, you know, I've always loved your face. It's just one of my favorite faces. So it was it, it was great to see the two Adele, you know, we have the two kind of Adele's or, you know, the one we meet in, in the marriage in, in London, living this kind of posh, bored housewife life. And then we mm-hmm. see the younger Adele with the longer hair, much messier in this kind of vague institution, right? We know there's there's somewhere because everyone's dressed the same. So talk to me about just uh, uh, acting-wise, like to create those two personas, but yet having to make sure that they're intertwined. Yeah. Um, we shot the first, we shot all the flashback stuff. So young Adele, let's call her that, um, in Scotland. So that was like our first three weeks of shooting. Um and that was just about convincing people that I was an 18 year old, you know, keeping it buoyant and fun and light, um, which I actually had a real hard time doing. <laughs> I, I find I find it easier doing the more dramatic stuff. I find it harder doing the kind of more just like she's just like a happy go lucky girl. You know, <laughs> like that's just like I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so that was more just about having fun, getting to know Eric, the director, getting to know Rob, who plays um, Rob Arameo, who plays Rob in the show and just kind of having fun. I mean, me and Rob became so close, became best friends. We were like staying in this bed and breakfast together. Um, So it was sort of natural. Like there was a lot of times we just put in our own, our own jokes and, you know, we were just messing around with each other. And it felt, I think that's why people love those flashbacks is, it feels natural and you can tell there's love there between us. Um, and then once we got to London, uh, a, the intense Adele came out and I can tell you, I just had so much fun. <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really think about it much. Like I learned my lines. I was scared of, I was scared of the accent. Um, but other than that, it was really Eric Richter Strand, the director has such a, wild wacky wonderful genius brain and I think he and I were a good match for each other because I kind of have strange tastes and I wanted to take it into a sort of a more bolder direction and he was encouraging me to do that and so it was just 
every day trying things and, um, you know, pushing each other. And uh, it sort of worked out that, it, it, you know, that's why you get Adele's kind of a little bit off. She's, you know, there's something strange about her is because we were, we were trying to make her, we're enjoying making her as strange as possible. What has been some of this, the reaction that you've gotten since the show's been up? And we know on Netflix, people tend to watch these things in one night or maybe split it up in two nights. But it it is one of those binge-worthy shows. So I know you must have had some reactions. What have been some of the better ones? Uh, yeah, my phone has been blowing up. And honestly, I'm so excited for this to finally come out because I had to not tell people the secret for two years. I mean, we shot this in 2019. So even my sister, I, I did not even tell her. She was like, I can't believe you're not going to tell me the dress. I'm like, you have to wait to watch it. Um, so it's just been fun that finally all my friends and family can, can have now seen it and know why I, I loved doing it so much. Um, but yeah, I have texts like at four o'clock in the morning, you know, like, I thought I could sit down and casually watch your new show. I hate you. I hate you. Why do I hate you? I can't stop watching it. Um, but yeah, it's been funny. Instagram, Twitter has blown up. The memes are just spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun looking at people's reactions because they're so, people are so, they feel like personally, you know, attached to these characters they're so emotional about the twists and, and the characters and how could she and how could he and oh my you know all that stuff um so yeah it's just been a joy I've just been sort of like lying in bed just scrolling through Twitter every day giggling myself <laughs> well will we now all know a new world uh, a new word uh, astral mm-hmm. projection yeah that's a real thing people mm-hmm. really do this People mm-hmm. really astral project. And we had a professor come in and she gave us a lecture on it and she did a whole workshop with us and we tried to astral project. And how did it go? I, I, I was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a good class, but um, yeah. So basically we were lying down on the ground and what she was saying was, when you step out of your body, you feel as though sort of it's like you have this glue stuck on you and you're peeling your skin off a little bit, not in a painful way, but you feel as though you're sort of stepping out of water. And we were lying there and you kind of like have to imagine it, um, imagine that you're rocking back and forth. And so we're, you're imagining that you're rocking back and forth and you're sinking down into the ground and you're rocking back and forth. And then all of a sudden I sat up and then I was kind of out of it and I opened my eyes, but I was actually lying back down on the ground. So she said that that was what I was doing. It's like, you have to keep your concentration in order to get your entire body. But basically like my spirit body, apparently sat, I got my head up. Wow. <laughs> no, it's mental. So- it's mental. Have you been have you been practicing this since the you finished shooting or this was just like the kind of No. Yeah. It was a strange, weird phase that we were into during rehearsals where we all went home and we listened to the meditation music and tried to do it a couple of times, but then we kind of forgot about it once we started shooting. Mm. What was one of the harder um things or the most challenging thing for you uh in this series? The hardest thing was the British accent because I'd always said, you know, 
if I was ever going to do a British accent, I would give myself like a year to learn it because British people are really intense about their accent. And if you get it wrong, you're screwed. So I was scared of that. And my agent basically like lied to them and said that I could do a British accent and then like didn't tell me that that's what he said. And so like we did a deal and he was like, oh, and by the way, you're British. And I was like, what? I've never done a British accent before. He was like, well, you got to figure it out. You're on the plane tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> uh, so I worked for this dialect coach, William Conacher, who's amazing. He like does everybody on the crown and everybody, everybody, everybody. He's amazing. And I begged him to help me with it. And we just sat in a room for two weeks and went over the whole script. So that was probably the hardest was just all the dialogue and doing a new accent so soon. Um, But it's crazy to say I genuinely did not have a difficult day on set. I had so much fun. (laughs) I really enjoyed playing Adele. I enjoyed every bit of it. I could have played her until, you know, the end of time. I I just loved it. Mm. She had great wardrobe too. I love that kind of like posh board wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, everything silk and cream and totally you know. and the perfect hair and all, all yeah. of that that whatnot. Yeah. Um all right, I want to go back a little bit to the beginning for you. So what what was it um that made you want to be an actress? What was your driving um you know was there a moment was there a show or a play you were in in elementary school or, or or what motivated you i i knew i always knew i was going to be some kind of performer but i grew up playing music and so i thought that i would be a musician you know um but I was terrible at doing the scales and my practice and all that stuff. I was really bad at it. And I was also in a drama group, but I never really took like thought that that would be something I would do. And then I had this tutor who was, um, she was a filmmaker and she tutored on the side and she sort of introduced me to film and we did sort of like film class, film course stuff. And then she wrote a short and I was like a runner on her short and she ended up putting me in one of the shots and the DP really like loved me in the shot. And he was like, you should put her in something. And so she wrote this, this script um, and wrote a part for me in it when I was 15 and I got to go to North Carolina for two weeks. Um, I got to leave school, which I was very excited about. And then that was the moment where, I was just completely obsessed. You know, I fell in love with like acting, but also just the filmmaking process and sort of just the getting up so early in the morning and like being with the same people and it becoming like a family and you're all doing this thing that you love together. And like just all of the bits of it, I, I was just literally hooked after that. Mm. Um, yeah. Did your parents have any issue like sending you away to like across the pond, as they say, to North Carolina to do this at, at, as a teenager? Yeah, my mom just kept saying, oh, it's not a big deal. Like it's a home movie. She kept saying basically that it was going to be on like a camcorder, which <laughs> I, I, and I was like, oh, really? OK. And then Erica Dunton, the filmmaker, she was like, yeah, yeah just learn your lines. And she gave me like a as a tu- as a tutor would, she gave me a little questionnaire of like answers, uh, questions for my character that I had to answer. 
And that was it. I had no idea what I was walking into, but it ended up being like a million dollar production. And then it went to Tribeca the year after that. And that's how I got an agent. And so that's sort of how it all happened. And what made you want to then, because most people, or not most, but a lot of actors, just when they get that kind of early hook, right, that adrenaline that hits it in, in your formative years, they don't then go on to university and then go on to drama school. And you did it all. You went to St. Andrews and then you went to NYU. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that decision. Um, I just wanted to be good at it. And I, I, I was in love with it deeply. I was just felt like this was what I was meant to do. But I didn't really know how to do it. And uh, I wanted to be a real actor, you know. I wanted to study and do theater and be like Meryl Streep. I wanted to to know what I was talking about. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to learn about playwrights and theater and and filmmaking. And you know, um, I didn't want to just go to LA. I mean, there was moments where like people would call and hear that I was acting, and like Nickelodeon wanted me to like do something, and I. I was like, that's not what I want to do. You know, I wanted to like, you know, mm. be Meryl Streep. And I think it really served me. You know, I, like, I learned so much at Tish. I learned so much. And, um, you know, I remember being frustrated a lot there because I just wanted to work. I was so badly wanted to work. And I was doing auditions like during my lunch breaks. And I was just so hungry to, to work. But Looking back now, I, I'm so glad I went and I took that time for myself. You know, when you're 18, you think that you like your life just has to begin immediately. And actually, those four years were so special for me to kind of grow and learn about myself as an actor and a performer and learn how to express myself and articulate my ideas and all of those things. Hmm. So you've You've worked for a, a long time, basically, right out of school. You've been working. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the names, obviously, Soderbergh, Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Sean Penn, one of my favorite movies, uh, that yeah. film. I think that was one of their first, Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. What have you learned from watching them and being in the, you know, presence of people that have achieved so much or at the, at the highest level of their craft? Honestly, all of them have been very focused, I've noticed, very quiet, quietly focused on their work. Um, And I think natural leaders, you know, like they, they, all of them have sort of had this sort of natural grace of leading a set and they hold a sort of authority there that is not intimidating, that's not overbearing, it's just they're there they're incredibly present and um you can see why they have worked for so long and they've they've stayed being so successful because they're so in tune with the filmmaking process with the other actors but they also just there's a certain like grace that they have and i i know like working with like younger actors who are leads and stuff and you know it's so important to to recognize what what the sort of uh, what that generation what they carry. They're such sort of um, uh, they really care about their craft and their artists uh, and real human beings. They're they're not an impersonation of a human being, which you can meet a lot in Hollywood. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Like pretend human beings, it is interesting. Like the longevity of a of a career, you really have to evolve, and it is a kind of work life balance. I mean, they always say you have to live a life, so then you can have those experiences that you can bring to your work, and yeah. that's so essential, right? Um, to to being a good actor is being a good observer and being a good listener. And I was talking with Viola Davis um, for this podcast, and she was really saying for her how important it is to just watch other people and experience other things that then you can then bring to your own work. And you can't forget to have a life. That's what can fuel your your work is your life and lived experience. Yeah, I always like I call it like too much output, not enough input. You know, <laughs> I I did I did the luminaries and then the Tessa and Behind Your Eyes all in one year. And I remember at the end of Behind Your Eyes just being like, I don't think I can. I was saying to the director, I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't know if I have anything left in my tank, you know. And I just re- remember being like, I gotta go, like you know, live my life, and I don't know, like maybe get a boyfriend and like feel things again. Cause I've just been sort of, you know, you, you become sort of like a machine when you're on set too. And it's not real life. It's not set up the way that the world is set up. Um, you're sort of treated almost like a baby, you know, like they, they give you your food, they tell you where to stand and what to say and what to wear. And um, I think that can confuse things. Um, so I do think it's so important to just go back to your your life and, and live it like a normal human being for a while and, and um, you know, have some experiences because otherwise you're going from, especially I find like if you live in a mansion in Los Angeles and like you never even see the real world, like you're not doing your own shopping and you have your gym and your house and all of that and you're just going from your house to a big movie set where there's a big trailer, et cetera. Like how much of like real human life and experiences and, um, you know, relationships are, are you having? Uh, that's why I love New York. That's why I love living in New York. But, um, yeah, it's so essential. Mm. It's so essential to just like not be an actor sometimes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Um, actually, your your dad had told me that he always he has to take out the trash. Like he can go be a rock star, but when he came home, you know, his wife, your mom, made him like go take out the trash. This is it. This is real life. Yeah, and that was really good growing up in Dublin too, because you know there is nothing you know sort of um, Hollywood about Dublin at all, and so. I could go away and I could have these amazing experiences with my dad and be on tour and all of that. But then I came home and I took the train to school every day and I saw my friends and, you know, they didn't care about where I was, you know, on on holiday or whatever. Um, So that was sort of essential to, to my childhood. Hmm. So where, what are you working on right now? Are you in the middle of something or are you at a, for a little bit of a break? Well, it's so confusing. Um, I'm waiting to shoot something here um, in London. So I'm just waiting for our production start date. Um, but no, I, I, when the pandemic hit, I had a job that kind of fell apart because of COVID. 
Um, so I've been, you know, basically at home for a year, dying to get back to work. Um, so just pulling my hair out, basically. <laughs> Like every like every other actor, right? Sitting in the thing. Well, exactly. I'm I'm so happy that when you are working, which you will be working again imminently, when obviously this pandemic lifts, um, it makes me really proud to see you living up to your potential. And I like the way you keep pushing yourself and um, and uh, you. you have your head on straight. Needless to say, and to keep challenging yourself it makes me very happy. And I love catching up with you. I do. I love catching up with you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me. Behind Her Eyes is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.